Champs Lunch! Champs Lunch! What's up, buddy? Hey, hey, look. Welcome to a brand new episode of Champ Lunch, a Schmodown podcast from the hosts of Some Like It, Scott. I'm Scott Harvey, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Scott Shelton. Scott, we are just fresh off of the uh, Schmodown Throwdown, the second live event of uh, the month of September. Uh, and we're going to be talking about what we just witnessed, uh, including the, the Mike versus Janine match, but also the nuke. Um, but also which, the main event, the nuke. <laughs> Yes, the main. Honestly, I saw someone in the chat saying that the nuke. Well, I was really expecting it to be bigger, um, and for obvious reasons, I think that's a little bit absurd. Uh, I'm curious well, what this guy wanted to see. Then I, I want to hear his his suggestions. I yeah, uh, I think he wanted to see like the studio get burned down or something, in yeah. a fiery heap, and they have to start over um, doing it on a couch again, like they did in season one. But um, okay, we are going to. Before we get to the new cover, we're going to go through the matches um, that we had uh, in the month of September. Uh, and it was pretty much dominated by the Ultimate Schmodown Singles Tournament, um, which uh, has been w- good for one of our brackets, not so good for another one of our brackets. Uh, we will uh, uh, reveal that as we go on. Uh, but Scott, let's start with that first live event we had um, that was supposed to be the Arizona event. Um, as Josh McCuga, uh pointed out d- during the Wildberries match, much to the chagrin of all of the people who were supposed to go to the Arizona event. I don't think they were too happy with him for that remark. I don't think he'll be happily welcomed to Arizona at a future live event. Wildberries. Um, it was our one non-tournament match of the uh, month. So let's just start by talking about that. It was the undercard for that event. Wildberries versus late to the party. Scott, this is one of those matches that uh, you knew pretty much what you were, or you thought you knew what you were going to get uh, with this match, and that was uh, a very entertaining match, probably some great entrances, um, some great personalities during the match, and maybe some average trivia play. Uh, and I think most people were surprised uh, about what we actually did get, which was um, a really well-fought um, and high-scoring match that came down to the end. Um Elliot Dewberry, uh, kind of hearkening back to the days of his old team ETC uh, when he was with Ricky Hayberg, uh, and that was one of those teams that kind of uh, somehow was able to pull out wins despite having one player who could barely answer a single question correctly, that being Ricky. Um, and I think Elliot kind of channeled his uh, back in the day when he had to sort of put the team on his back for this match. Uh, not Makuga played particularly poorly, but Elliot going a perfect for nine in round one um causing some people to to call this now the call, call a perfect round of perfect round one the dewberry um which i find hilarious just because of all the people who have had perfect rounds perfect nine for nines uh, the last person who you would expect to name the the you know achievement after is elliot dewberry which probably is why what makes it funny but yeah this match came down to the five point questions uh wildberries hitting theirs um late to the party I believe uh, had were trailing by five and could have sent the match to sudden death. Uh, if I remember the scorecard, I think it was 31, 26, um, but they were unable to come up with the correct answer. We'll say shout out to the late party for their great uh, costumes during the match, dressing up as Ron Burgundy and Veronica Corningstone from Veronica Corningstone from 
Anchorman. That was, you can always count on them for a great entrance and they definitely delivered. Um, but the Wildberries getting a big win. Uh, Scott, you know, obviously we haven't seen their first round tournament match yet against the family, but based on, I know that it has filmed already. And based on the comments that Makuga uh, was making in the interview, like, oh, I'm so glad we finally got a win. Uh, I think we kind of know how this match is going to go. And that's not a huge surprise, I guess. But a great showing from the Wildberries here to get themselves to a record of three and four. Yeah, I mean, who knows whether you're reading too much into that comment. I don't know. But it is to say that this match was maybe not exactly how it was built. It was better than it was built, exactly to your point, I think, because it was extremely entertaining. You got some good, well, you got a mild berry intro for sure. You didn't get very much from from Josh and Elliot, but... Yeah, you got a great entrance, like you put to late to the party with the with their anchorman entrance, and yeah, and then you had some great trivia. I always wonder if some of these, if the questions and the difficulty of the questions of the match are tailored for the match specifically, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But I think that if that was the case, if that did happen for this match, uh, it was done appropriately so because it made it all the more entertaining. You had a, a high scoring match, and and frankly, as much as everyone loves to see a dumpster fire like Dagnino against Burnett. It's also nice to see people answering trivia questions correctly. And that's not to slight either late to the party or the Wildberries, because they both clearly put on a great show and, and answered a lot of a lot of questions, both easy and difficult. But uh, I, I think that sometimes I've wondered that in the past. I wondered it during this match, but it didn't really matter all that much because it was a really fun time. And if the Wildberries don't get the W against the family, I agree. We won't be particularly surprised. We haven't made our predictions yet, but I think maybe we're showing our hands for one of our picks there. Uh, and, and overall, I think it was just a great start to the live event. And, you know, you had a much more uh, significant match, so to speak, to follow it up between Chance Ellison and William Bibiani. But to, to stick with this match for a second, I think it was uh, – we haven't really seen Elliot Dewberry, to your point, kind of put in that kind of performance in a while. Frankly, we haven't seen Josh McCuga put in that kind of performance in a while either. So uh, Josh has had a rough year in the in the Schmedon. I mean, getting suspended for you know a month or two months, whatever it, whatever it ended up being after his stipulation match against Paul Yama. I can't really remember what it was. But, yeah, to, to get – to come back now and get a win after a couple tries is probably much needed, regardless of whether or not he was referring to their uh, their woes against the family, if, if that is factored into what he was talking about. But, you know, it's good to see them win again. They know who they are in the Schmodown. They know their brand. And it isn't necessarily always about winning, uh, but it's putting on a good show. And we had a good time. Yeah, I mean, certainly we don't know how much to read into Makuga's comments, but uh, he does tend to be pretty la – I know you don't watch Collector Live as much as I do, but he does tend to be pretty uh, blasé about uh, the spoilers uh, and potentially spoiling things. The reason that I even knew in the first place that this match had filmed, the the family match, uh, was because he brought it up on Collider Live. Like, oh, when we – I was talking to Guy backstage before our match the other day. This was before the bracket had even came out, and Christian was like, <laughs> easy, easy. Um, so, so I would not be surprised if uh, – if his comments reflected the match to come. But again, that's not a surprise. Uh, and, you know, you would expect to see the family win there. But we'll get to that in due time. Uh, great match. Wildberries uh, moving to a record of three and four for the time being. Late to the party. I guess a little bit of bad luck. Um, but no, no matter how many matches they lose, and they're on a bit of a losing streak at the moment, they'll always have that win against Critically Acclaimed. Uh, still one of the biggest upsets ever in a team's match uh so they they can hang their hat upon that and just by just uh upon the fact that they're really entertaining but scott let's move now into the the singles matches and the singles tournament uh which like i said up top dominated the month of september 2019 we'll start there with that uh main event for the what was supposed to be the arizona live event 
uh, ended up just being an in-studio event. And that was Chance Ellison against William the Beast Bibiani. Scott, we when we uh, predicted this match on our bracket special, um, you know, we really had a tough time with this one um, because these th- this might have been the the toughest uh, round one matchup to predict because you know Chance, even though he's the the newcomer to the league, Bibiani has been uh, a champion in this league and is known as one of the most fearsome players. Uh, Chance is one of those guys who his singles record does not reflect uh, the perhaps the knowledge that he has. You know, he he was one question away from potentially uh, being at that New York live event playing for the championship against uh, Jeff Snyder. Or he would have he, he was more than one question away. But yeah. yes, well, he was one question away in that Oyama match. Then he would have had to win um, the against Liz Shannon Miller. Right. Um, and then he would have had to beat Dan, too. But the point is, he was close to being a champion. Um, and, you know, this match reflected uh you know everything that we thought it was going to going into it uh it was an absolutely uh brutally tough match going down to the very last question um chance had the upper hand for most of the match um kind of like we saw against paul um Viviani, of course is always he's never really going to get blown out in a match just because he has such uh a great base knowledge i believe did they both have perfect rounds in round one um I want to I'm say that actually, it was 8-8. Eight, eight. I'm uh, not actually sure. Maybe. I, I'd have to double-check that. It's possible. Yeah. I mean, they both had good round ones, definitely, for sure. Yeah, of course. Uh, but once again, as we saw a chance in that Paul match, um, it came down to that last question for him, uh, and he wasn't able to hit it. Um, you know, those five-pointers are hard, for sure. Um but this was a national treasure question that I really felt like he should have known. Um, maybe it's just, uh, I was going to say people from our, times. maybe it's just people from our generation, but Chance is also from our generation. In fact, he's, he's younger, younger than yeah. we are. So, yeah. Well, um, yeah. I mean, maybe he was too young for that, to see that movie as many times as we maybe. have. But yeah, I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't like 100% confident that I knew the answer to the question, but, I, but my gut told me the answer immediately. I was like, well... I mean, this is all I got. I, I definitely can't think of any, anyone else who, who this would have been besides uh, Harvey Keitel, but yeah. Yeah, and I didn't know that cloak and dagger question that he had in the Paul match, but a lot of people were saying, too, that that should have been one that he was able to pull. Um, so I'm sure uh, maybe, Paul you know, also told him that it was one that he should have been able to pull, I believe, after the match. Yeah, as Paul is wont to do. Um, yeah. I You know, I, I think it, it's hard to say that he needs to study more, right, because he has... Uh, he does play so strong, but here's two matches um, and two, two huge matches right in his career, right? Where he really could have taken the next step in the singles division. Obviously we've seen what he can do in teams. Uh, he's on, on the team champions at the moment. Um, but uh, you know, he was unable to uh, take out a vet like William Bibiani and uh, Bibiani moves on uh, much to the pleasure of my bracket and uh, not so much to yours, Scott. Yeah, it happens. We're going to be saying it happens a lot to my bracket uh, today, I believe. But no, to, to your point about Chance, I mean, I think Chance is two and three now, and his three losses have been against either former or, yeah, I mean, all former singles champions. I mean, the current singles champion, uh, Paul Yama, and then Ethan Irwin last year, and then earlier this year, of course, um, I'm, and then now Bibiani, sorry, and then Bibiani. Yeah, so those are, his, those are his three losses in the singles division. They're all singles champions or former singles champions. And so his strength of schedule is high, I believe is the way that they describe that. And so I was actually just looking up the rankings and to, to see him down in 17th ranked in the in the singles division is a little bit crazy to think that he's only lost to champions in the singles division. But 
so so it goes sometimes you get the bad luck but you know if he had a debut season for example like Paul did in, in terms of who he was playing at first you know you might have seen him I'm not saying he would have he would be champion right now um, because what Paul's done is you know absolutely spectacular and he did beat Chan but I I think that we, you wouldn't have saw him start 0 and 1 for sure because he wouldn't have debuted against a, a current singles you know the then to become the singles champion in Ethan Irwin and the ultimate went on singles tournament last year. And then, you know, you would have saw him get some confidence and some wins under his belt. And, you know, maybe, maybe his record would be roughly the same, but I mean, he's played five matches and three of them have been against champions. Uh, so that's a, that's a tough one, but that doesn't get, you, you know, you got to beat champions as well to get to that next level to your point. Exactly. And so, you know, he's, yeah. he's that close. I mean, he's a five point question. Seems like every time a five point question away from, you know, beating, beating these guys and, uh, he hasn't been able to do it yet, but I think he's close. And and unlike some other people who I think have been close before and haven't been able to get across the finish line, I still have complete faith that Chance will get across the finish line. I mean, yes, the I, I can't really speak to the difficulty or ease of the five-point cloak and dagger question, but I did think the national treasure question was was closer to a five-point question at least than, than a lot of a lot of yeah. ones that we complain about normally. It just so happens that I saw that movie literally probably seven or eight times when I was younger and, and, and just familiar with it. So a little bit of trying to recognize my own bias there in terms of what I know and what I don't know. But overall, you know, he's going to bounce back from this. If he gets – I mean, maybe Chance will never get a run of matches in the singles division where he's not playing top-tier quality very quickly. And so maybe it'll be tough to get – his feet under him and, and get several wins in a row if he can't overcome that next hurdle. But I think he has the quality and he's proven that both in the singles division in terms of the quality of matches he's putting in, even when he loses, but especially in the team's division with corruption. It's going to be a tough go for him, but uh, you know, he he's proven that I think he's up to it in some of his teams, teams matches. We know that yep. he is capable of hitting these five point questions. Yeah, um, definitely. And being at the, in the upper, upper echelon of players, but um He's still still got to get there, um, and he'll have to wait until next season to do that in the singles division. But um, so there, that was one of our matches we had. Um, yeah, and, ju- and just to that point, that exactly. Like there, there's a, there's a couple people out there in like the singles division. I think chances is like first and foremost among them who just have like oddly lopsided records or records that don't necessarily reflect the talent you know they have. I think Mark Andrejko is another person who's six and six. I mean JTE is nine and ten. Uh, so they're there and McWeenie, of course, thing is one of the other big ones there who's like four and five who, you know, they have tough records because they play really tough opponents a lot of times. And then, you know, I, I don't think this is really the case anymore at this point in the season. But then the, earlier in the season, there were people who had really strong records that you're like, you know, Drew McWeenie and Chance Ellison, they're probably better players than them. Uh, just it just happens, you know, who you play, you got to get you got to get the wins to get up in the rankings. So. And some people are just better teams players than they are singles. Um and, you know, maybe this is two examples. I think McQueenie, you know, is, is obviously one of the best teams players. We've seen that uh, he's he was a champion with the Buffalo line and um, now is performing very well with the family. Um, maybe something about singles um, Whitney it, you know, has just eluded them. Yeah, Whitney Seibold. Yeah, another great example. Um, but OK, Scott, so that's the Bibbs versus Ellison match. Um, why don't we move down the right side of the bracket since we're over there um, and talk about. Uh, who Bibbs's next opponent is going to be, um, and his next opponent is going to be Ethan, big time Irwin. Uh, Scott, we saw uh, Ethan take on. Actually, I believe we didn't we talk about this match last time. We did because that was uh, he faced off against Haley Pouch. Um, that event. was that was last month's live event. So we don't even need to talk about that. Um, yeah. Wonderful. Um, 
Do you want to go ahead and predict so, that match? Or I know technically you, your bracket's still good on that side. Mine's not, yeah. but I would. We still can talk about Ethan. Okay. Well, there you go. I was going to say we can talk about it at the end, but sure. Because yeah. that is going to be a brutal match. I mean, like just as much as the Bibbs and Chance match was a hard one to call. I mean, this is going to be tough. Obviously, they have faced off against each other um, in a three-way. in in a three way match, right? But that the dynamic there can be very different um, mm-hmm. than in a head to head match. Um, so I'm really looking forward to this one. It's going to be a banger. Um, all right. Moving down that right side of the bracket then, Scott, let's get to our match that we saw today um, on this down Throwdown, and that was uh, Mike Kalinowski against Janine the Machine. Rematch of a match that we had a couple of months ago. Uh, Kalinowski coming out in top, on top in that one. Um, and he got the upper hand early in this match. Uh, perfect round. He got a Dewberry in round one. Uh, perfect nine for nine. Uh, Janine certainly no slouch herself, uh, coming out with seven points. Um, you know, I, I just have to, to say, be fair. I think we also got seven or eight points each. So, yeah, we 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 did. And from a psychological standpoint, it's got to suck when you only miss one question and yet end up with a two point disadvantage going into round two. Uh, yeah. Because Janine probably feels like, man, that was a great round one for me, and yet she's down nine seven going into the wheel round. So that's tough. Um, and. What's also tough is when is playing against Mike Kalinowski when he spins James Bond because uh, it, or which I think at this point we should just say playing against Mike Kalinowski because he spins James Bond in every single match um, and you know there was some suspense this time because he didn't spin it first time around but then of course it hung right on the edge there of being I believe it was opponent's choice uh, before rolling over to James Bond um, really desperately eluding us. Uh, but Mike did have to go to uh, multiple choice on a couple of questions or on one question. Um, just one. And on two questions, yeah. No, no, no. Just oh, one. yeah, it was it was one. You're right, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, but Janine was not able to get the steal. But regardless, um, that uh, missed question allowed Janine to still be within range of tying Mike uh, were she to have a perfect second round. She was down by eight points, uh, 15-7. And that's exactly what Janine did spinning Cameron Diaz, which, while not her strength of rom-coms, is probably like tangentially related to rom-coms, and there are a couple of rom-coms questions in there, so still a very good category for Janine to spin. Tied it up at 15, Scott. Um, so a, a little bit of an improvement, I think, from the last match. I think Mike led most of the way in the last match. Um, but, you know, moving it around three, as Yeah, we, I mean, you got a TKO in the last match, so. Yeah. As we've seen with Janine um, in the past, round three eludes her. Uh, and you know, that, that didn't change in this match today. Um, they both got their two point questions pretty quickly and easily. Uh, but then the One, three pointers, it was Cameron Diaz and bond again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but then the three pointer Janine was not able to hit Mike did get his, um, you know, and, and making the point that, uh, people think he only watches inner geek, the movies. Well, the question happened to be about annihilation, which is a movie that apparently he had but, just watched. Yes. Uh, but also about an, an, an MCU actress so yeah no but i'm just giving him shit yeah yeah, yeah. that's that's true there was an inner geekdom element to the question i suppose um but uh yeah so mike hit the three-pointer janine forced to answer her five-pointer um tough question admittedly about hotel transylvania three um mel brooks wasn't able to get it yeah mel brooks was the answer mike getting the win uh 20 to 17 um and so yeah uh it was, a, it was a great match. You know, Janine, again, has to feel disappointed. Talking about players, uh, singles players with uh, poor records, uh, whose records don't reflect their ability. Janine, 
absolutely an example of that. She's three and five now, I believe. Um, yep. And yet, um, I think she could give about most mo- most anyone in the league, singles players wise, uh, a really good match. And we've seen that now with her and Kalinowski twice. Um, and obviously, he's one of one of the best uh, in the league at the moment. Um, so tough defeat for her. Um, but she will be back next season, I'm sure, in the singles division. Probably, you know, she, she'll probably have some good time to study now um, because it'll be a couple of months before, you know, a few months actually before we get to um, the start of season seven. She will be in the teams tournament. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but singles wise, we won't, we'll have to wait until next season to see her. Uh, yeah, you know, I will say one thing about that. The way people were talking about it ended her season. I know they, they didn't specify, oh, it ended her single season. But it made me feel like the time machine has, like, lost already in whatever the tapings that they're doing. Who's, like, their, oh. who's their first-round opponent? Um, uh, the, I don't know the bracket off the top of my head. I'll look I, it up. I think it might be, like, the the Looney Bin. I think it might be Video Drew, but I'm not sure about that. Um, yeah, it could be. But I also think that they only have, like, one more taping day left before... They, they only have a couple taping days left, oh. so it, they might even be, like, pretty deep in the team tournament already. Yeah, I'm that's possible. Sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm really um, just not sure. But I, I'll admit, I did think about that same thing about, oh, does this mean that Time Machine yeah. is out of the team tournament now? Um, yeah, we, we will see. Um, I, I hope I, I try not to read too much into these things, but it's hard not to. Um, because we do know, of course, that they are pretty far ahead taping in terms of, uh, you know, the matches that when they release the matches – uh, to that point, the Rocky exhibition match, which came out yesterday, I w- I'm not spoiling the ending of it or anything, but um, Tom Dagnino told us in Houston, which was months ago, he was like, wait till you guys see this match. It's going to be great. Um, and so and he was right, too. It was a great match. If you haven't watched it yet, if you're a $10 up patron, go check it out. Um, but that just illustrates how, um, you know, how far ahead sometimes uh, they have these matches recorded. So. Yeah. I also, they so the time machine plays the Scream Queens in the first round, and then if they were to win that match, okay. they would play the winners of the Looney Bin and the Self Righteous Brothers. Okay. Yeah. Tough. Tough teams there. Um, yeah. I mean, but, but but we'd expect. I mean, again, we'll yeah. have a prediction show, but we we would expect them to beat the Scream Queens. Yes, we would. That the we would expect them to get get past the Scream Queens for sure. Um, so maybe okay, we're Scott. reading too much into it, is what I'm saying. Maybe we are. Maybe we are. Um, and Scott Ko is going to be facing off against John, the outlaw Roca. This is going to be quite the grudge match. We already had some good uh, trash talk going on in the post-match interview for Mike and for um, for Roca, who had uh, a pretty vintage Roca interview after this match against Silvestrini, um, talking yeah. about all, hang, all hanging and banging or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> hanging and banging i can't remember the other weird things that he said but uh it was it was something to behold you know roca may be getting tired in the in terms of the trivia aspect he may be a little bit behind some of the pack in that but on the mic he still got it i think um Unint- unintentionally or intentionally he still has it on the mic <laughs> yeah um but yeah so he faced off against rachel silvestrini uh scott i think this was a good match for roca to get some of his confidence back uh, because silvestrini is a good player absolutely another player who her her record doesn't quite reflect how how good she is i think um especially in teams with uh with devon i think they've they're a sneakily good team her with inky and the brain and they will be in the team's turn as well so um, yeah inky and the brain is playing wait are they not in oh they're playing who's the boss they're playing who's the boss Um, also i found the other rope quote it was always got some meat here we've been hanging in for two decades (laughs) 
<laughs> um so and then jen at the end of the so interview was like you know just us hanging and banging with some meat <laughs> so that was the thing that happened um yeah. okay uh so yeah so roca played silvestrini um a close match scott it did come down to the to those five point questions yeah. um roca able to hit his um and silvestrini uh not able to quite pull hers um yeah, like I said, I think this will be a good confidence boost for Roca because he's been struggling some. The horsemen have been struggling overall, obviously. Um, and so, and especially because one of the horsemen is already out of the tournament. We'll talk about that um, shortly. But yeah. um, I think they really needed this win and they needed the Bateman win as well. Um, and they got both of them. So, uh, horsemen still alive uh, in the singles tournament for now. We'll see maybe how that affects their team's play um in their title match uh in orlando founding fathers versus corruption um maybe maybe they will have some of their mojo back again depending on what the outcome of the singles tournament is because we might even be all the matches may have even been recorded except for the finals of course um at this point so maybe, maybe. one of them has made it all the way to the finals yeah um Not but sure regard regard regardless roca moves on he, he will face kalinowski um Scott, I think we both had this section of the bracket correct, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> we, 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 uh, we took the chalk on this in this section of the great, bracket. Good job for you. Um, yeah, did, yeah, are, yeah. Are you looking forward to, to this Roka Kalinowski match? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if, if, as much as you're looking forward to Bibiani and Irwin for the sheer quality and like two titans of the league somehow facing off in the quarterfinals. I think you look forward to the Roken Kalinowski match, not because it won't also be a high quality trivia match, but because these personalities are just going to be something else to to see go against each other. I can't wait to see whatever like trash talk videos happen in the Schmodown, you know, Facebook page over the next week because this match is one that's coming up really soon. I, I imagine they are taping this match probably as we speak as we record this because they only have a week to, to get this one out the door. And then, you know, so seeing the trash talk on Facebook is something I'm looking forward to. And then the promo that's going to get cut for this one is probably just going to be absolutely hilarious. And then the the jabs that are going to happen between the two of them on the table, on the mic, uh, during the match is going to be high quality. And then also, I guess they're going to answer some trivia questions. So we'll see what happens. Somewhere in there. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure Eric from Nerd Chronic is licking his lips uh, at the prospect of cutting a promo for this match. Uh, and it will yeah. be good. It will be a good one whenever we uh, whenever we get it. So, all right, Scott, Monday. Move, yeah, let's move on to the left side of the bracket now. Uh, and we'll start at the top, Scott. This is my one um, rotten egg in my first round bracket, as I think uh, it was for most people. I think uh, a lot of people's brackets got busted. This this match busted more people's brackets than any of them. And that was match number one. <laughs> yes. Mark Riley uh, against Stacy Howard. Scott, we joked about it on our prediction special. We were like, the second, the the time we give Stacy no credit and don't pick her is going to be the time she turns around and pulls off an upset. And what do you know? She she went out there and did it. Um, the only time R I didn't pick her to win this year, I think. <laughs> yeah, um, Riley. Uh, it kind of reminded me of the McQueenie match a little bit. It was a match that he um, trailed in for a lot of the match. He hung around enough, uh, pulled his five point question. Um, despite, uh, you know, being behind. Stacy had a really good round two um, after getting Julia Roberts movies, um, which is, again, kind of tangential to her strength of rom-coms, uh, kind of like Janine with the Cameron Diaz movies. Uh, and so she had that lead. 
Riley had to do some battling back in round three, and he was able to do that um, just as he was in that McQueenie match. He hits his five-point question, bouncing it over to Stacy for her five-pointer. And I think, Scott, Scott, I know we were watching this match together, and I think at that point we kind of felt, okay, he, you know, it was close, but he's pulled it out now. He, he got that five-pointer right. He's going to squeak by um, and hopefully learn something from this in his next match. Um, but, but we weren't giving Stacy enough credit for once. Um, and she uh, pulled the answer to a pretty tough question about stepbrothers for her five-point question. Um, yeah, it was like the name of the company they started or something? Yeah. 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 Um, and so corruption continues uh, their torrid run this season. Um, I think that joining up with this faction may have been a, a good choice for Stacy. Um, she has a good team partner now and Tim Franco as well. We'll look forward to seeing them in the team's tournament. Um, Against the loose cannons in the first round. Oh, boy. Yeah. I mean, the, you can't go wrong with any of these team's tournament matchups. We said this already, but the team's tournament uh, or the team's division is just so stacked this year um, that this tournament is going to be epic. I don't look forward to our prediction special win. Uh, we're going to have to pick some of these tough matches. Uh, but Stacy uh, continues her trend of pulling off some shocking upsets in the first round of the Ultimate Showdown. Obviously, she didn't do it with Merle last year. That would have been quite something. Um, but she was, you know, obviously, the, I think this jumps over her Mark Ellis win uh, as her most impressive win in the Schmodown. Um, Riley, a little bit of the horseman curse, I guess you could say. But also, I don't think that this match was totally inconsistent with how we've seen him play um, in singles this year. Like I said, I think he was lucky to win that McQueenie match. Um, and the Snyder match, which he lost, was actually pro- maybe his best singles match that he's had this year. Um, he played really well in that match. Uh, and got kind of unlucky with uh, Snyder being able to pull that uh, five-point question out of nowhere. Uh, but that was like the Scottish actor s- question, right? Yeah, um, or Welsh actor recently. Welsh actor, but, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. but maybe, maybe kind of like Roca, it's time for Riley to. I, I wouldn't say to overall retire, but maybe just focus on teams um, because I think he's got a really good teams partner in Ben Bateman. I think the two of them work really well together. To have a really good chance, I think, to uh, go to the ultimate showdown or win the ultimate showdown again, uh, teams tournament as they did last year, um, and so I think maybe that's where uh, Riley needs to to turn his focus at this point. Obviously, he you know he's not going to play a singles match for the rest of the year, but uh, maybe going forward as well uh, because I- I'm not sure that he's doing the type of studying um, or you know consistent preparation that we see is now necessary to win um, or, you know, at least to be one of the top players in the singles division. Um, You have to be doing it's, it's the game has definitely changed from when uh, Riley was uh, at the top of the heap and was a two time champion. Yeah. And to your point about who's the boss, I think that, you know, they have, they have Inky in the brain in round one, which he's ex- tough team, but you'd expect them to get by. And then they have a tough quarterfinal matchup, either with Crimson Fury or the Loose Cannons. And then, you know, I would say that they are on the better half of the draw, because if you look at the other half, you know, they have, there's the Odd Couple, Shazam, Time Machine, and then one of the Looney Bennett Self-Righteous Brothers, which will be like the four in the quarterfinals, probably. And, you know, the, I think that's a bit of a tougher other side of the draw. So they're on the right side of the draw, to your point, to make a deep run there. And I agree. I think Mark Riley really at this point in his career benefits a lot from having that that team dynamic. I mean, obviously he was one of the greats of the singles division for several years, winning the belt twice. 
But now I think at this stage, maybe he's not preparing the same way. And I think he is someone who really benefits from having that team member on the table with him, especially when that team member is Ben Bateman, who, you know, it seems like every single time you talk about him, you have to add an asterisk and a footnote around, you know, best player who doesn't have a belt <laughs> next, you know, next to next to his name. And so I think that that dynamic, you know, whether they're in the context of the horseman faction or not, is, is clearly something that he is really benefiting from. And, and it seems like he either gets, you know, just an extra shot of adrenaline or, or a little bit of extra juice going into his his play uh, when when that is the case, when, the, when they are uh, on the table together. Because as, you know, well as he's played in some of his matches, and I don't think he's played poorly in any of the matches that he's been in this year, you know, he has been able to be outshined on a couple occasions, even when he played well, and he squeaked by on others. So, you know, maybe it is time to hang up the singles division and make an appearance every once in a while and focus on the teams because, you know, who's the boss? They did, of course, uh, have that number one contender match in Chicago near the beginning of the season, but then they kind of went dark for a while, and uh, I don't think they've played a match since then. Uh, no. And, yeah, so I wonder if maybe next season, I mean, we'll talk about the nuke later and what that might mean, but, you know, if they are able to make a deep run in the team's tournament and secure a high enough uh, ranking, you might still see them together next year, even after the nuke. Yeah, we will see that you're, you're absolutely right. That is something that the nuke will have big implications on. Uh, but overall, Scott, this match, a huge bracket buster. Um, I, I'd be interested to, to know how many perfect brackets are still out there. Um, I will say that if Brendan is able to move on um, and beat Stacy, then uh, that would kind of right the ship on my bracket for the time being, uh, because I did have Brendan knocking out Riley. Um, I believe so. Um, that would that would help me there, but uh, a, a tough loss for Riley and a tough loss for almost everyone who filled out a bracket for this competition. But yeah, so okay, we'll move on now to the next match. Scott, I already kind of spilled it there. Brendan Meyer um, was able to win his match against Whitney Seibold. Um, I believe. Did we talk about this match in the last month? I think this was a right at the end of last month. Um, I can't remember I, if we talked about it. Or not. I don't I think, think we did. Okay. Well, whether we, if we did Maybe or not, we, we we actually we definitely did because we talked about uh, Whitney Seibold and the way that he uh, mm -hmm. really threw caution to the wind in that second round. And, oh yeah, um, yeah. He pulled a pulled a Snyder almost. Yeah. And to to transition to the next match, then I think this is something we also sort of saw happening in the Lon Harris versus Paul Preston match, um, Scott, which is another match where we diverged um, in our opinions on the match about who was going to win. I had Paul. You had Lon. Um, and Lon Harris kind of uh, a little bit of a similar tactic in round two, even though he wasn't sure on some of these questions, um, started guessing rather than going to multiple choice, um, and allowed Paul to get a couple of big two point steals, um, and get back in the game. Uh, whereas I think Lon maybe was ahead after round one even. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a weird tactic. I didn't fully yeah. understand it myself. And, you know, it makes you wonder between Lon's recent performances in the singles division, which have been good, but maybe not up to his previous standard, as well as, you know, a little bit of the decline of, well, I guess what was the Harris brothers and then return to being uh, the evil geniuses. I think his stock's a little bit down right now. Yeah, definitely. And that was kind of what I was uh, uh, counting on when I picked Paul Preston in this match, because I think Paul is someone whose stock is rising. Um Scott, I called it, I said it to you after this match, and I'm calling it right now. I'm going on the record. Paul Preston will be a singles champion in season seven of the movie Trivia Schmodown. I'm calling it right now. Um, Even after got, the nuke announcement? You don't think that anything anything's affected by that at all? 
I mean, I think everything's affected by that, but um, I don't know that that's going to affect um, his knowledge because he's not really in a faction. He doesn't have a ma manager right now, but um, he will. Be, he will be though. Yeah, he will. He will. He will. Yeah. That that is true. Uh, but I don't know. I feel like that's only going to help him pro probably. But um, yeah, I mean, okay. To be honest, I think we're probably doing a disservice not talking about this. But you know, we talk about it as if it's an automatically he's going to be around next year. We'll see what happens. Of course, with his wife struggling with true, with her yeah. health right now, and obviously we wish her the best. And you know, if you are able to, there is a donation. Uh, Facebook donation page up right now, both on the movie trivia Schmidt on site, and then tw a bunch of people in the Schmodown, a bunch of uh, personalities are tweeting it out. So, you know, she's going through a lot right now. It seems like she's in pretty good spirits. I was going through a lot of the posts on there, and, and I think things are going as well as they can be. But obviously, we're thinking about her and wish her the best for sure, both her and Paul. Yeah, last I saw, they were really close to meeting the goal. So, uh, go over yeah. there and uh, throw a few bucks in if you can um, to support Paul. Uh, because honestly, Scott, to talk uh, at a macro level, he's becoming one of my favorite people in the Schmodown. Um, yeah. I think he's one of the best new characters that we've had this season for sure. I love. I think the, he's the best new character we have this season in terms of personality. Yeah, I think there's there's certainly a case to be made for that. Uh, I think he he's a really funny character and. Uh, becoming quickly becoming one of my favorites. So I'm glad that he'll be sticking around at least for another match. Um, getting the win over Lon Harris, getting his revenge. Uh, of course, his one loss that he has had so far was to Lon, uh, but not so much here. He gets the win. Um, and yeah, Lon, like you said, a little bit, his stock is definitely trending down and we will see if that will continue to happen in the team's tournament. Cause of course now JTE is not going to be his partner on the evil geniuses. Uh, seems like due to some personal reasons, JTE is stepping away for a bit from the Schmodown. Um, and replacing him is going to be Simon Thompson, Scott, uh, which is not someone who has played in the Schmodown before, but someone who I believe you're a little bit familiar with from maybe some appearances on movie talk. Yeah, he, he's a semi-regular movie talk. He's usually on either, you know, once every other week or so. And I, you know, I really enjoy having him on movie talk. You know, it's impossible to be able to tell someone's breadth of movie trivia schmidt on knowledge from, I mean, any of these Collider shows that, that we watch and talk about a lot. But, the you know, I, I kind of did a double take because I was like, Simon, I recognize that voice in, in the scene there. He and uh, Lon came together. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see what their chemistry is like. I'm honestly just a little bit surprised that it's not just Jonathan stepping back in. I mean, I know... Uh, they they've struggled in their last couple matches. I think their last two matches they played together. I mean, one of them, of course, was that ultimate Schmodown teams tournament final that they got absolutely rocked in by who's the boss. And then they had a tough showing. I think their initial outing this year as well. But I'm a little bit surprised they didn't just step back in because I think people like that team, right? People people like their dynamic and their you know they are unique in their personalities. And and Simon's a little bit of a wild card. I think that what this means, what I think this means, that John either Jonathan really doesn't want to come back in and play any more matches because. You know, fairly or unfairly, I think people may, might might have pointed toward him when the you know when when the Harris brothers declined a little bit in terms of their performances, uh, or Simon's really good. Uh, I mean, it also could be could be a combination of those two things, but we'll see. We'll see what it is because I think Lon needs something to boost his confidence because you know we thought maybe that win against Paul Preston would boost his confidence, but even then, and I think we talked about this at the time, it, it was one of those things where we kind of felt like Lon had been a little bit lucky to win that match against Paul and that Paul had been a little bit unlucky to not come out the victor. And then, he, you know, he got his victory in the, in the second time he tried here in the, in the, in the first round. And I think it's well-deserved. I mean, just to switch over to talk about Paul now, I think, you know, I've already said my piece briefly about how I think he's probably the best new character in the Schmodown, uh, at least one that I'm enjoying the most. I think maybe may a, a 
just in front of Kevin Smets, in my opinion, because of course I think the whole dungeon dynamic and with Kaiser uh, is is fantastic and hilarious, and I'm really loving that as well. But Paul's great, and especially the fact that he's doing it mostly on his own. To your point, I mean earlier, you, you talked about how he doesn't have a manager, he doesn't really have anyone else with him. I mean, yes, he sometimes has his has his uh, partner in crime from the movie guys, but you know he's mostly carrying carrying this character you know on his own shoulders and it's different than anything else we have in the shmoon it's not another guy wearing sunglasses uh, as much as that often gets likes to get thrown around yeah. in the league uh, but yeah i i think you know it's Paul's, a guy wearing a visor and stuff. he's a guy wearing a wimbledon visor you know which is just i think i find that so funny but uh, but not not for the t- tennis tournament i believe but for the film starring uh kirsten dunst i believe is that actually what it is is it i think so because i believe he made a reference to like that he got it at the premiere that he was at the premiere of the movie or something like uh, in his interview at the in the last match i think that was i think i missed that saying. i missed that joke yeah. then uh, that's really funny, but you know, it's just so I just find it hilarious, and you know, I, I hope that you know things in in his personal life go well enough where he's able to still commit the time and energy, and he feels he feels comfortable doing that to stay in the Schmidt on because he's an absolute treat treat to see, and and I think he's one of the best parts of especially the second half of the season when he's had a lot of matches. You know, for, uh, I was curious when when Christian was just throwing a lot of matches because I saw the schedule was like, oh, he's playing again, he's playing again, he's playing again. That's that's it's a bit a little it's it's, it's very weird to see a new character play so many times so quickly. Uh but he because he was introduced in the second half of the season, that was kind of necessary to get him integrated into the league. And yeah. honestly the league's better for it. I uh I completely agree, Scott. And talking about the Harris brothers, maybe it's a scheduling thing too, because uh I know that John Harris, like I think he's a comedian maybe as his sta- as his day job. Maybe he has like a tour or something that he's going on because if you remember that last evil geniuses match he was not there that's true. Um, so that's maybe point. that has something to do with it uh why they haven't reunited that team but we'll see how simon uh does personally i was going to pick against them anyway because they're facing my boys the paddington two yeah. um and i think who maybe all- one day will get a win who knows yeah <laughs> they do have one win they have one no, that, win. That, that's true they, they do um, that's true but win a win a big one. I think maybe this will be their chance, and that JTE dropping out maybe maybe uh, opens things up a little bit for them. Um, hopefully, we'll see. And then last year the Harris brothers beat uh, take the cannoli. So that's true. Um, yeah. We'll Jonathan see another David. another good one to look forward to um, in the teams tournament. Last singles match to get to Scott. We've already uh, hinted at the fact that this person moved on. Another win for the Horsemen. Ben Bateman taking down Liz Shannon Miller. It's got another one that we uh, we picked pretty quickly uh, when we made our bracket um, predictions. We both have been going to the finals, uh, I believe, in the bracket that we picked on air. Um, I think I still I think I have Paul Preston going to the finals in my. Um, you definitely have Paul Preston beating Ben in your in your bracket you submitted. In the one that I submitted, yeah, that's yeah, I, you were like, uh, I don't know about this. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I feel I feel a little bit better about it now. Um, but Ben. You know, again, a a huge confidence boost, kind of like it was um, for uh, Roca beating Silvestrini uh, to to get just get a win for the Horsemen and against a solid player in Liz Shannon Miller. You know, obviously the other big singles win that he had this year was against Guy. I think you would have to say that uh, Liz is a bit of a bit better than Andrew Guy is. Um, So. A, a little bit of a better win there for Ben. Uh, and he looks good in the match too. Um, not many cracks in the armor. Uh, I think he had to go to multiple choice, maybe a couple times in round two. Uh, but other than that, it was a pretty comfortable win for him. Yeah, I think um, he missed one question the entire match. So yeah. Yeah. Um, 
It was a and strong performance, and I was glad to see that for sure. Sorry, you were still finishing. My bad. No, yeah, I was just going to say he'll move on to face Paul Preston now. I think uh, we, we had a little bit of a fire in that post-match interview, and I think this is going to be another one that uh, is low-key going to have some really good trash talk. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Ben and Paul are two of the best that trash talking league, along probably with Mike. Uh, I think they both do a, a really good job. And then, you know, especially if you can get Dagnino to to come up with something decent uh, off the cuff on the mic in the match. We, you know, he's been a little bit more sporadic, and uh, I think this this season with the fire with the fire takedowns. But you know, maybe maybe it's you know it's it's prime time now. Not to use a, a competitor's name, but you know, it's the business end of the season, and uh, hopefully Dagnino shows up with his best stuff for some of these interviews uh, and, and promos and the, and the like. But you know, just to talk quickly about the match, I think you know Liz Shannon Miller obviously had a great start to her career this season, getting to a number one contenders match at Collision against Paul Yama. We thought maybe she was a little bit overrated in that match, and I think it kind of showed a little bit uh, and how Paul took her down with relative ease. I mean, that was probably the weakest or least competitive match in the Collision. And so it was really good and refreshing to see her come back here and put in, I think, what actually might have been, with maybe the exception of her match against JTE, her best performance so far. And I think kind of um, confirming that, you know, she's taking this seriously. She's not someone who just came in, it is here like, you know, I had a good initial run and then I lost and I don't know if this is for me. She clearly wants it, right? She came back, she studied. Ben is a better player than her and I thought that coming in, but I'm kind of reassured that, you know, she's going to be a presence in the Schmodown going forward in, in a way that is competitive because I think that she's going to come back stronger. And, you know, if she were up against someone else in round one, I think she very well may have gotten through because I think she put yeah. in a good performance. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, and another person who I expect we will see uh, around next year and and maybe uh you know we'll have a different or elevated role um given the nuke scott we've danced around it uh in this episode why don't we just get to it now um we were hoping that it was going to be something big and yes uh contrary to what that one guy I was in the chat said, bigger <laughs> yeah contrary to what that guy said yeah. uh it was quite big you know that reminds me of a comment um <laughs> One time that someone made, uh, it, someone that I knew in college, we went to a restaurant, he ordered a, a hamburger with nothing on it and then <laughs> ate the ham, ate the hamburger and said, I expected more from this. Um, remind, it kind of reminds me of that. Um, this guy said, uh, you know, expected something bigger, but uh, it's hard to get much bigger than what we did get with the nuke. Spoilers ahead. Um, but Christian announced basically that everything's getting nuked. Um, we are going to throw every single Shmoda. He said 115 competitors. I'd be surprised if it's actually that many. I think he's that talking about be, every person who's ever competed in the Shmoda. I know. That would mean like Bruce Green is coming back, like uh, Umberto, El Mayembe, uh, like yeah. all these people who scored about four points in their matches. I don't think we're going to see collectively, any of them. Collectively scored four points in their matches. Yeah. Um, so uh, that might be a little bit of an exaggeration, but everyone for the most part is going to be thrown into this uh, giant pool. We're going to have a fantasy style draft um, in which there are going to be 10 managers of 10 different teams. Yeah. And they're going to take, I believe, again, the number is. Um, They'll draft all the players. Right. Yes. Yeah. 15 was, I think, the number that um, Christian said, like for each team. Well, right? it'd be 11 if it's, it'd be like 11 or 12 per team. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, everyone will get drafted by someone. Um, there are a few different uh, sort of kinks to this. One being that if you're a champion, 
um, then your manager will have the option to keep you, which I imagine, like, I don't understand why a manager, a manager would not want to keep someone who is a champion. Like uh, Christian gave us the example of Mike and Chance, if they remain the team title winners, then Grace and Ken, who it sounds like will be the, you know, one of the manager, uh, one of the managers collectively um, in the draft. Um, we'll get the option to keep corruption. And I think they would probably do so. Um, I think they would do so just to keep Mike. I mean, I'm yeah. thinking back in my head, like who, how is he not the number one draft pick given his triple threat status in the league? But we can yeah, talk with about Rachel that now out. Yeah, I, I agree yeah. with that. Yeah. Um, so, some people said that they were wondering if Rachel might come back as a manager for this, which would be cool, but I just don't know if she is interested in that. I mean, Clark might, right? Because like she's still That's around. True, yeah. Like Rachel, I mean, maybe she attends a couple like tapings every once in a while, but it sounds like she's disconnecting pretty hard from the league. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe Sam Levine will come back as a manager. I don't know. Sam Levine would be hilarious as a manager, by the yeah, way. Yeah, he, he I would. would. Sam Levine as a manager. Um, yeah, that's, that'll be one thing that's interesting, just seeing who all of the managers are, because, yeah. I mean, I guess that most of the current managers will probably remain managers, Jay Washington, Roxy, um, yeah. Kaiser, but that still leaves, you know, a few spots for new people to be managers, I think. Um, yeah, I wonder if Emma will come back and, and be a manager. I wonder how, well, like, what the status of like commissioners will be next year, yeah. if it'll be the same or not, but... I also just think that, and just to say my piece on the new, like, I think it's great. I mean, we were talking yeah. before we went live here that, you know, it's a huge risk. It's what it is. It's definitely a risk. But, like, as entertaining as season six has been, as much as it has been the magic season, you can't have – if you don't change anything for next season, then things get a little bit stale. Even if you're having amazing matches, you know, every single time out, you know, the, the league feels – Samey. So they, they mix it up last year with Anarchy. They mix it up this year with having more live events, which I'm sure they're going to lean even harder into next year. And they talked about leaning even harder into next year. But you still need something something new. And, and they're going even bigger. Maybe I don't know how much of a – like because last year you felt like it was a really big financial risk, shifting to Patreon, you know, only doing – you know not only, but like primarily focusing on these big central live events every month. And next year, they're taking a different kind of risk. I don't know if it's as much of a financial risk because you, the Patreon is still there. That's not changing unless people just pull their donations at this, which would be insane in my mind because I think this is really cool. But you know, it's it's a big risk in terms of like, you know, if, if this league doesn't work out really well, if people don't end up liking it like halfway through the season, you might be stuck between a rock and a hard place in terms of that and, and holding people on. But I think it's an awesome idea. I, I will say just to just to give my own feedback and, and one thing that I'm a little bit skeptical about, I think 10 teams, 10 factions might be too many. Um, I, I just wonder how they're going to keep everything shuffling around. I'd love to see that number reduced down to eight a little bit. And like realistically, are there yeah. really going to be more than 50 players in the league? Like that's a ton of people right there. Because even if you think across team and singles, it's, it's mostly the same people. And intergeek them, yeah. Well, I'm just saying, like in, in teams and in, in singles, which is like two thirds of the, to your point. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, yeah intergeek yeah. them uh, for the most part. I mean, there's some overlap, right? But it's because, the same cast of characters. But that's what I was gonna say because there's a lot of random people in intergeek them too that like um, yeah. don't play anywhere else. Like Sean Drew, Brandon Hanna, all of those Absolutely, people. Yeah, no, that that, um, who, that, that definitely is a separate group. Yeah, that definitely is a separate group of people. But I'd say like there's at least fifty percent over, at least if not more, fifty percent overlap between singles and teams, which is fine, right? But you know, and you're talking about if there's 115 different competitors, yes, some of the, the, you might be playing in multiple divisions, but there's only like, we only right now at least only get about 100 matches, maybe a fewer than that. I don't know the actual count per year. That's not that many matches per person. Um, and obviously some of that's going to be weighted towards the top half. I understand that. So it's not, you know, it's not an even spread across the board. But I just think that unless they change the number of matches they're producing, 
which I doubt, which I really doubt they're going to go for more matches next year based on my current understanding. Uh, I do I, doubt I think it, it's too many people. I do doubt it, but at the same time, I just wonder, you know, whether the Schmodown Entertainment Network will increase the possibilities if they if they are taking in enough through the super chats and all that, which yeah. they're doing well with so far. Um, the first four live streams that they've had have seem to be doing really well in terms of the super chats and streamlabs and everything that they're getting money that way. Um, maybe that will yeah. help. Maybe, maybe we'll have like more double headers or stuff like that, like two matches at once. Um, and that would and be awesome. I'm just thinking like just in terms of a sheer time commitment, right? And I know Christian yeah. is, is taking a step back, or at least he has this year from Collider out of his like VP role to focus mm-hmm. more on the Schmodown. But I mean, can they, I mean, I, I don't know how much more they can do right now with just one taping day, right? Cause they're, they're not taping every weekend. I understand that, nor I don't think would they ever be taping every week, every weekend. But you know, they're taping like six, seven matches a day when yeah. they are taping. It's just I, I don't know. I I think it would it'd be a big jump to start doing more than what they're doing. And I I just I'm curious if that is a direction they would go. I don't think that it might be. I mean, we'll see how it goes. Of course, it all matters around like a, around the spectacular. If you are able to, you know, to get a bunch more patrons, if you are able to to hook a bunch more people, including you know after next year starts, right? If you're able to hook a bunch of new people with the new format, right? I, mean, I think that's a that's definitely a possibility because now you know you don't have to feel like you know you're not able to just immediately jump on board at the new season because of all the storylines. Because every single season, there's always storylines coming in from the previous season into the next season. Whereas now. It, Yes, of course, there's always the history there between certain competitors, but with kind of it, it's a full league reset, which I think will be a good jumping on point if you are able to get that, uh, if you are able to get people's eyes on the new season and, and, and on board. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think those point. I think your, your arguments are well-founded, and that's why um, I would be surprised if we see a total of 10 teams. I think that that was Christian being optimistic about the number of competitors that are actually going to return. Um, yeah. And that may be... You know that, like you said, the number will be more realistically more around fifty to seventy, and that way they can cut it down to uh, maybe eight teams or something like that. Yeah, eight, sure eight teams of eight or seven would be. I think that's yeah, that's a good number because then you because uh, you, you need everyone to play on your team as well. Um, and I'm sure at a, on a future podcast we can talk about oh, what what like the actual matchups seem like. Because yes, of course we're talking about singles teams, but I'm really interested to see how they're going to play off. Like, what if like two factions teams, how yeah. you describe it, go up against each other and sort of like a I'm partially to tennis, but like in a sort of like Davis cup or fed cup or labor cup, whichever ones <laughs> take your pick of the tennis tournaments where you have all these different matchups go on for like one big event or something like that. And they have a, like a points total or something. That'd be really cool. But we can talk about that at a later date. Yeah, no, I'm excited about the nuke. I'm very excited for those, for those very reasons. Um, because, uh, you know, th- this is like anarchy on steroids. I think that, uh, it's, it's like anarchy, but it's going to count, right? Like some of those anarchy teams, we were like, oh, this could be cool. Then they played one or two matches, and that was the end of it. Um, and so I think this is something that's going to stick around. You know, if you end up in a faction, if you end up on a team uh, with someone who is previously been your enemy, it's not like you're going to play two matches or whatever, and that's the end of it. Uh, you're going to have to deal with the people in your team for a whole season, and that could create some very interesting dynamics uh, based on who uh, ends up on the same t- team together. Uh, and we may see a lot of... Uh, a lot of heel turns and face turns going on uh, in the kayfabe next year. And the whole idea of trades is just—I mean, I'm. Oh yeah. I'm already. I already think it's absolutely we're go- hilarious. We're going full sports league now, which I mean, obviously. Yeah. I'm about. Yeah. No, I think it's awesome. I think one of the really interesting things, though, to your point is, and I think this might be a question for a more a more lengthy discussion on a future podcast. But one of the first things that came to my mind is, what does this mean in general for kayfabe? 
right? Because so much of the yeah. league factions, et cetera, and the groups, the teams that you see right now are built on kayfabe. But now you're in some ways removing kayfabe to actually form teams in a like I use this in quotation marks, like authentic way in a natural way in terms of a draft. If you know, of course, if you I suppose there's some cynical people out there maybe like, well, maybe if the draft is rigged and Christian tells you who you have to draft and stuff like that, I really doubt that will actually happen. I think that they are, to your point, going for this kind of full sports league and and have an authentic draft in that way. And I just wonder how kayfabe will be. I don't think kayfabe will go away at all because you can't – I mean, I guess you could just no. drop everything that's happened in the past in the Shimoda. I don't expect that would happen. But I Red think it'll be it'll be really interesting to see what, kay, what kayfabe will be like next season too. Yeah, it will. But I I, I, I mean, I would, I would go the other way and say I think this is – uh, kind of increase the kayfabe that we see probably uh, and well make make harder work for christian and the team yeah. for kayfabe. but they have shown that they're up to it and yeah again overall i'm very positive on this just because i think like you said they've done something new pretty much every season to reinvent uh the schmo down and keep it fresh and so far they've kept that core fan base uh, and even increased it some um like mm-hmm. if you look at the number of patrons uh, that have remained, it's remained pretty consistent throughout this season, I believe, um, compared to last season when they were really struggling and Christian was in the Facebook groups and everything a lot, um, asking for people to sign up. Uh, and I think that they, they've established a good core uh, who, you know, includes people like us that I think are going to go with them uh, in pretty much any direction that they choose to go. So, um, yeah, that's the nuke. Um, definitely uh, on this the scale that I was hoping uh, to get from something that had been hyped up so much. Uh, and yeah, it makes me only more excited for season seven. But yeah. Scott, before they've been hovering season- around four thousand patrons for most of the year. Sometimes they've gotten a little bit higher in some of the yeah. peaks of the season, but they're they're hovering right around there. And that's about you know to your point, double almost triple what they had last season. So yeah, so that's awesome. Uh, but Scott, before we get to season seven, uh, we got some more matches in season six to finish out. Uh, I, I guess my bracket only has one uh, difference from, or the bracket now only has one difference from my actual bracket. Um, and I will say that I, I um, stand firm in seeing that Brendan Meyer will move on uh, from, I believe I had him beating Riley in my bracket. So um, mm-hmm. that doesn't change now that he's facing Stacy. Scott, do you have any amendments that you want to make to your predictions uh, now that your bracket has gotten shaken up a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I I think I had Ethan Irwin beating Chance Ellison over in the top right, and I stand by that. I think Ethan will will. I think that the the head to head duel match rather than the triple threat match favors Ethan. I think Bibiani was able to pick up a few steals off off of in the in the triple threat format a few more than Ethan was able to. Uh, and I think it's also just hard to beat Ethan Irwin twice. You know, he's just such an incredible incredible competitor. I still think he's probably the best player in the, in the singles division. Uh, of course, there every player is so good that just the just the slightest change in luck can can swing a match. You know whether you know. Of course, you still have to perform and answer the questions that are in front of you, whatnot. If you're the competitor in that situation, but but luck matters a lot in the top tier in terms of what you're spinning, etc. And so it, it's possible that that of course he loses this match to Bibiani, but I think he's just such a tough player to beat twice. And so I am going to pick stick with Ethan in, in that matchup. I, I think I had Mike beating Roca in the bottom right, in the bottom left. Uh, I'm sticking with Ben. Uh, over over Paul, even though I had been over Lon before, and then the top left where I got neither match correct, I, I'll take Brendan Meyer over Stacy Howard. But uh, yeah. Stacy, prove me wrong. Yeah, uh, she she's already done it once. She could very well do it again. Um, but mm-hmm. I'm going for the kid in this one. Uh, I think he's got a lot of momentum coming into this one. Um, yep, we have another okay. big prediction though. So 
What's that? We have another big prediction to make, though. Which is? The live event. The main event. Oh, right. Um, yes. So, uh, Orlando. Um, Founding Fathers versus Corruption. Thank you for reminding me of that. I almost yeah. forgot I was in full tournament mode. So, <laughs> yeah. I almost forgot that, that was going to happen. Yeah. Um, first of all, who's going to win the fan four-way? Um, not <laughs> out us. Out of all the showdown fans. Yeah, definitely not us. Um, as much as I would love it to, to be one of us. I will say about the fan four away. It's an awesome idea. I'm I'm very here for it. Uh, I hope that the person who wins is like an established fan league person, uh, because it would be really cool to see someone who has been kind of grinding in the fan leagues for a while um, get their chance to make it to the big time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I hope that it is a quality match because there's a lot of fan league people out there um, who are not going to get to attend this event, but could you know would be very very great competitors in the Schmodown. Um, and so I know it would be frustrating for them, uh, were somebody who was only, you know, average or, or somewhat mediocre, uh, to actually get their chance in the showdown. Cause I think, I mean, obviously Paul has been the, the cream of the crop and chance has been really good too. But, um, there was that one guy last year who played like the patron match, um, who was a fan, Matt something, um, yeah, and right. wasn't that impressive. I think maybe there've been one or two other fans like that who, but that uh, wasn't paid like to the tier though. That wasn't the same as like. Was Christian that what it was? Yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, I hope it's somebody um, who uh, you know. Didn't he is, play like Rosie Knight or someone? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Uh, and I, I believe he won, but uh, no, he, he didn't won. win. He didn't win. Okay, no. Fact anyway. check me on that, everyone. But I'm pretty sure he did not win that. Anyway, main event: um, Founding Fathers versus Corruption. Scott, round three. Uh, we saw this with top ten with top ten when uh, Roca and Nos were that team. Three times they tried to go up against the Patriots, and three times they went down. Uh, is it going to be the same for their rivalry rivalry with corruption? You know, my my gut, my instinct tells me that it's going to go exactly well. Okay, what I should say, I think this this match is much more likely to to be like their first match against each other. Right, that that went to sudden death, losing by that controversial David O. Russell question, and. I do not believe we will. I guess technically it wasn't a TKO the second time they played each other, but it was 30 to 20 going into the third round. And they had to get all 10 points in order just to force corruption to hit two of one, one of their three questions in round. I guess that was a round three. This will be, this will be a full five round match. I think, yeah, I think the five round format probably, probably helps them helps the founding fathers a little bit. I think, I think it should. That being said, I mean, it's not like everyone on the table hasn't played a five-round match before. Of course, Corruption being the team champions, Mike having multiple belts, uh, Dan, of course, being singles champion, and Roca being the singles and teams champion as many times as he's been. You know, everyone's going to have experience, but I think that the elongated format makes it more difficult. And, you know, will Corruption spin Bond? <laughs> Big question. Of course, they can, I hope not. Of course, of course they can run through it. Okay, yes, like they are able to run through other categories besides Bond. But when you spin bond and you they have as strong as a first round as they are consistently doing every single time, like every single time they're getting 14, 15, 16 points yeah. in the first round. Like when you combine that with spinning bond, you may not be miles ahead by the time the third round starts, but you're gonna be in the lead by the time the third round starts. And so that just helps tremendously. So again, I think I think a lot of it comes down to luck. I think that if you know a, a few things go one way or another. It could be, it will be, I think, a much closer match than we saw than in Corruption versus the Founding Fathers Part Two. But uh, Part Three, I'm still going to give the favor to Corruption. I think, you know, I think people still still are trying to put an asterisk next to Mike's like non-intergeekdom performances by by slack, slapping James Bond onto the end of it. But he's just doing 
too well in the first and third rounds for it just to be, you know, a gimmick with, with, with so many James Bond round twos that he's been through this year. And Chance is the real deal. I mean, yes, we you know we talked earlier in the show about how he hasn't necessarily translated that to, you know, those five pointers in round three in the singles division, but he's consistently showing up uh, in the team's division, you know, running, you know, he got a perfect round against the Shire Wolves, you know, did, did the Dewberry <laughs> against the Shire Wolves. And then, you know, crush i don't think did he i think he missed one question the entire match missed his three-point question like that, yeah. yeah he like I, I don't even remember but i think he, maybe he missed this three-point question or something and it, you know he's just he, he's a force to be reckoned with too and, and when you have those two players together as good as roca and merle are and have been in the past i just don't think they are right now as electric and as good whether it be individually or in terms of team chemistry as as corruption is. And so I think I, I have to give them the edge, but at the same time, I do think this match is going to be closer. And, and, you know, with a little bit of luck one way or the other, I think it could go either way. Yeah, Scott, I hear everything you're saying. I don't necessarily disagree with everything, any, anything, but I'm going for the upset in this one, not just because I yeah. want it to happen. Uh, I think that the founding fathers um, and the horsemen have done, you know, historically pretty well in live events. Uh, Roca has won a live event. Ben obviously won that huge live event in Houston. Dan Merle had a perfect game in New York um, when he won uh, the the title at the start of the year. Um, I'm not worried about Dan. (laughs) Let's put it that way. Yeah. uh, Obviously, it is Roca. And, you know, obviously, we we saw the Founding Fathers also play a live event, um, albeit against a not very tough opponent. Yeah. but still, they had an almost perfect game in their KO victory. Um, so I think they do thrive in front of a live environment. I think that's going to create a closer match. And I just wonder if this is going to be one of those matches where Mike Kalinowski, uh, obviously he's really going to want to win it. And maybe that will get the best of him a little bit um, because this is going to be an epic match in front of uh, a big audience. Um, and m- maybe the experience of the horseman um, – will will help them over the finish line in this one i agree that even if the horse or even if the founding fathers don't win i think it's going to be a much closer match um and yeah uh so i'm going to go with the the founding fathers to win this one um and i think that if they don't win it john roca should step away i think he will though i I think win or lose you might see him step away i mean we'll see yeah Yeah, i mean we'll see we'll see if he comes back for next season that's neither here nor there yet but especially especially with the nuke i was just gonna say it might not be he might just feel like it's not worth it for him to it seems like he's only still in this league because of yeah. Dan Merle. So right. like if it, you know, maybe they'll be a top five team. I mean, especially if they win the title here and are defended, they'll be a top five team by the end of the year. And so yeah. that you could pick them up together. But honestly, if your manager like Roca, one of the greatest of all time, uh, you know, historically in the league has been has mattered a great deal. But do you do you want him to be your first or second round pick right now? Yeah, uh, that's when you're a thinking fair about point. the nuke. I mean, like probably not. I don't know. But, you know, that being said, I think that, you know, I hear what you're saying about the, the horse. Well, not necessarily. I mean, the horsemen have done well in live events historically. I agree with that. You know, Dan has done fantastic live events. John has been not too shabby himself, but I don't know how you could say anyone is better in live events than Mike Kalinowski. So I I hear what you're saying there, but I think both these teams are very well primed. I think chance feeds off that energy. He beat Janine at the live event, the same live event, of course, that Dan Merle beat Ethan Irwin. And Mike Kalinowski, yes, he lost, you know, the inner geekdom belt in the first throwdown throwdown, but you know, he's been he's been the real deal in just about every other live match he's played. Yes, he didn't play Smets in a live match, I don't think, but beat Rachel at Comic Con. Uh, of course, beat the beat the Shire Wolves in a, in a throwdown match. 
uh, from August in their final match. And and so I hear what you're saying about doing well in live events, but I think yeah. the other side of the table has done equally well in those. Definitely. Definitely. It's a uh, fine margins, but yeah. um, I want to will it into existence. The founding fathers winning. Yeah, you know, um, that's fair. I like the horseman too, but I don't know. John Rook has just been rubbing me the wrong way with stuff he's been saying, not outside of the Schmodown recently. Understandable. So. Understandable. Yeah. Um, okay, Scott. Well, I think that should just about do it for a jam-packed episode of Champs Lunch. Uh, September was a great month, and October, I think, is going to be a great month too. Um, so thank you guys for tuning in. If you watch on the live stream, uh, thank you for listening on the podcast. Uh, don't forget to check out all of our other podcasts here uh, on the Some Like It Scott feed. We, of course, have our mainline podcast, Some Like It Scott, which we put out weekly. Uh, we also have our Star Wars series, which is going to be coming up pretty soon. Um, so keep an eye out for that. We're going to be reviewing all of the Star Wars movies um, with uh, someone who has never seen a Star Wars movie before. So uh, it's going to be interesting. We found the person that exists out there. Yeah, we found the only one. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's going to be interesting. Keep your Keep your eyes open for that. Um, and yeah, just check out all of our other podcasts in the feed. Don't forget about our Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash media plug pods. Um, and don't forget to like, uh, review, subscribe, do all of the things on your podcast app, YouTube, wherever. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll see you soon. Um, we will be doing a team's tournament prediction special, uh, probably maybe midway through this month. It'll definitely be before our regular episode uh, at the end of the month mm -hmm. um, for October. So keep your eye out for that. Um, it should be uh, a lot of fun. We're going to go through the team's bracket, which is going to be pretty tough, but uh, yeah. I look forward to it. Uh, and until then, hopefully I'll do better than four out of eight with the team's bracket. So. Yes, that would be nice for your sake. Uh, yeah. But until then, for Scott Shelton, I'm Scott Harvey. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening, everybody.